everyone. It's great to see you all. I'm Ben. I lead um, Grace Church here. It's such a joy and a privilege to be speaking to you tonight. Uh, we are going to be continuing our One Peter series. And what I'll do is I'll jump straight in uh, with the verses we've got. So it's 1 Peter 1, verse 22 to uh, chapter 2, verse 3. We'll jump straight in, and then we'll look at the passage. We'll put it in context, and then we'll start to unpack it. So let me start reading. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit, and hypocrisy, and envy, and all slander, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. There is a lot in this passage, isn't there? But essentially, this is the moment, midway through this passage in 1 Peter, where Peter shifts his exaltation from how we live rightly in relationship with God to how we live with one another in good Christian community. And the order of this is so important because one of the key messages in 1 Peter is that in order for us to love and care for and look after one another properly, we need to be in relationship with God the Father. And we learn how to do that from experiencing him and because he first loved and cared for us. So let's remind ourselves of that. Earlier on in 1 Peter, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at verse 14 and it said this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. Be holy as your heavenly Father is holy. So this is saying that as we spend time with our Heavenly Father, our, our, our Father in Heaven, we pick up on His characteristics. We pick up on who He is, what He's about. And uh, for those of us who are parents, it's exactly the same with, with our kids. I've got three kids, Noah, Evie, Jasmine, eight, six, and four. They're nicely spread out at the moment because Noah's just had a birthday. And um, they, they, pick up on, they picked up a lot of my characteristics fortunately or unfortunately for them. Um, and people will often say, oh, you know, Noah sounded just like you there. Or sometimes people will say, you sounded just like Noah then. <laughs> either way, it's <laughs> Anna's nodding her head. <laughs> but either way, it's, it's true, isn't it? They picked up on, on my characteristics. An example of this is, um, is uh, one morning, Emily, my wife, and I, we uh, could hear Jasmine shouting downstairs or speaking very sternly. And that in itself, for, uh, for those of you who know her, it's not unusual. She, uh, she likes to hear the sound of her own voice. She likes to be in control. Um, but we thought we'd go down and investigate. And essentially, the scene looked like this. There was, um, there was a water bottle on the floor, and uh, it tipped over, and there was a bit of water that had spilled. 
and Jasmine was over the water bottle, waving her finger like this and saying, water bottle, you are very, very, very naughty. <laughs> How could you? We on the floor. For that, you're going to go on a naughty step. And then she picked up this water bottle and she put it on the naughty step. And then she said, and you are not getting off the naughty step until you say sorry. <laughs> now, um, this, this was actually surprisingly true to life because the water bottle took an absolute age to say sorry. <laughs> and, and Jasmine was exactly the same. Often it takes her ages before she apologizes. This story shows that, um, that my daughter has picked up on my characteristics, some of which are good and some of which are bad. You know, we discipline the ones we love. We want, to, um, we, we want Jasmine to grow up knowing what's right and wrong. Sometimes we get it right, sometimes we don't. But our Father in heaven, the characteristics that we pick up from him are perfect, and they transform us and help us to love and look after each other properly. Okay, so that is the central part of what community is about. So... Going into the verses we've, we've, um, we've read already, um, this is essentially what the, the first couple of verses are about. It says, Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. We, we cannot love each other well, before, without first being born again and without being transformed into his likeness. But because of what happened on the cross, because of what God did for us, and because of us getting to know our Father in heaven, we've been reborn and our selfishness, who, who we're about, what, we used to, what used to be the driver for us, has been transformed and changed. And we've, we've removed selfishness, and God's put love in the place. Our eternal nature is now love. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Where do we come from, and where are we going to? Well, Galatians 5 gives a fairly damning report of what life was like before, without God. And as I read this, you might think, oh, I was never that bad. Or, you know, that's, that's not me. But essentially, this is the end game. This is the final result of life without God. And this is what Galatians 5 uh, says. And I'm reading from verse 19. It says, Now the works of the, spirit, uh, the, works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. It doesn't make for good reading. But then, as we come into relationship with him, and it's the Spirit, it's the Holy Spirit that works in us and transforms us, as well as our obedience to him. But this is what happens. This is, this is the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. It says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing, there is no law. And that's the basis of life-giving community, long-term life-giving community. We'll continue with the 1 Peter passage. Now, 
when I don't know about you, but when I first read this, and you know, the first couple of verses made sense, and then there was this random quote from Isaiah 40, and it sort of it, it sticks out a little bit. But essentially, what Peter's doing here is this is a commentary of what society is like without God. And it says this All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. So um, Isaiah was speaking about the Babylonian Empire. And the Israelites, they were in um, exile. So they were, they, they were looking at the, the great superpower at the time. And it was impressive to look at. Um, it was a thing of wonder. And they, they probably looked at themselves and thought, oh, we're nothing in comparison. But the reality is, as it says in that scripture, that even the most impressive, wonderful, incredible-looking things of the world they wither and they die. The only thing that remains is the word of the Lord. And this is um, an encouragement for Peter's readers. If you remember the Jews and the Gentiles, they were, um, they were in exile from Rome. So they'd been, they'd been kicked out of Rome and they were um, looking at, Rome must have looked like the most impressive all-powerful, incredible empire, you know, so civilized on the face of things. Um, but even the most impressive superpowers crumble, Babylon and Rome. And isn't it the same for us? We, we look at our society, and in spite of all its foibles and issues, you look and you think, surely our society can create an environment where everyone's looked after, where people are cared for, where, um, where it's fair and everyone gets, a, everyone gets a good chance at life. But the reality is that society can't create long-term, life-giving community. It simply can't do it because God is not at the center. And we can testify to that with, with our society that we live in now. Our relationship with God enables us to create long-term, life-giving community. So, how are we to respond to all of this? Well, Peter very kindly lays it out for us over the next few verses. So, but the, Lord, the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Our first requirement of us creating this community is for us to simply read the Bible. It's the word of God that regenerates and transforms us and sets us apart. And it's reading the Bible that we actually get to know our Father in heaven better. And then as we get to know him better, we pick up on some of his characteristics and who he is. And then that enables us to be more like him. So Peter's first encouragement for us is to read the Bible. And let's see what his next encouragement is. So in chapter 2 it says, So put away all malice, and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. So we're to be a people who don't have malice and deceit and hypocrisy in our hearts. Um, now, these are words that we don't often use in everyday language, but essentially, it's a call for us as a people to love and look after people without an agenda, 
without pushing our own, our own sort of viewpoint and our own um, agenda forwards, but simply to love people and to help people to become more like him, to help people grow in relationship with him. That is simply what disciple-making community is. That's what discipleship is about. And also, it's, it's easy, isn't it? Um, to, to, well, we're a society who love to um, pull things down. We, we kind of love to celebrate failure. If I look at my Twitter account, there'll be lots of people who um, I follow who essentially it's like wry, witty comments on what life is about. And, um, and, it's, and it's funny to see. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's funny to read. But actually, it can be counter to what community is about and life-giving, life-changing community. So this might be a call for some of you to actually stop being so witty and funny <laughs> and stop pulling stuff down because actually we're here to encourage and to love and to look after each other. Let's see what else Peter has to say. So he moves on to say, Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. Now, this, there's various references to, um, to milk in the Bible, and some of it's about immature believers, but in this particular case, it's simply about filling ourselves up with what is good and what is, what is holy. Um, and, um, and milk is about sustenance, it's about growth, and that's what we are called to do is here. So um, James puts it another way. James 1 verse 21 says, Get rid of all moral filth and evil that's so prevalent, and humbly accept the word of God planted in you, which can save you. When I, um, well, I often have a tendency to think that wisdom um, just comes with age. So the older you get, the more questions you can answer on University Challenge, you know. I'm up to probably three an episode, something along that sort of line. And you, you learn more, don't you, as you get older. But this is a real challenge for us, to, and it's a, it's a question for all of you. Are you filling yourselves up with what is good? Are you, are you making those decisions to, to, um, uh, to to watch the right things potentially, or to um, to to read the good news. Is it you know we don't want to get legalistic about it. We don't want to uh, go over the top. But actually, we wisdom we increase in wisdom and spiritual wisdom as we get to know Him better. So are you being really intentional about getting to know Him better? That's the question that Peter says there. So we've covered so far, we've, if we want to be a community which is uh, long-term and life-giving, we need to be focused on the Bible and his words. We need to be a place which doesn't have malice, hypocrisy and deceit and instead loves and looks after people. We're to fill ourselves up with what is good. And the final point in, uh, in, in this passage is around, uh, well let me read it to you first. So, uh, long for pure spiritual milk that you might grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Um, other translations say, since you have tasted that the Lord is good, long for pure spiritual milk. This is essentially 
the biblical version of, um, you know, the advert, once you popped, you can't stop. You know, the Prindle's advert where, where people get a taste for it. We're, we're supposed to be a community which allows people to get a taste for what it is to know God, to, to see him in all of his glory. And um, we want to be a church where people can come along and belong regardless of backgrounds, regardless of uh, even whether they um, believe in God or not. But as people come in here and experience God in his glory and experience community for all that it is, it changes and it transforms and it brings hope where there is no hope. And we've, we've been so privileged as a church to hear testimony after testimony recently, actually, of people who've been baptized and they've come along and they don't, people haven't always realized why they've come along, but they've simply come along and enjoyed spending time with you lot. Can you believe it? And enjoy, <laughs> enjoyed spending time with, um, with, with Christians and in this context and seen something of what God is like. And it's been that that's been life-changing and transforming. So as they experience godly, life-changing community, our, our own beliefs and our own behaviors change. In the last few minutes, what we're going to do is we're going to zoom out. And we're, you know, we've talked about how um, godly community is with him at the center. We've talked about how we can create some of that. But I've got a question for, for us all. Why did God... Why was it God's plan for us to live in community together in the first place? Some of you think, might be thinking, Ben, that is a stupid question. You know, I love spending time with, with people. I, you know, I go around people's houses all the time. I, you know, whether they invite me or not, actually, I'm just there. <laughs> and uh, there might be a few sort of elbows, nudges and that. But others of you might think, you know, I love Jesus. I, I love Jesus, but the thing that ruins Christianity for me is other Christians. They're an absolute nightmare. And, um, and yeah, it just messes things up. But wherever you are on the spectrum of, um, you know, loving community or, or, or having to stomach it because we talk about it lots, um, there's, there's, there's a number of key reasons why God's plan for us was to live in community. And I've just got a few of them here. First one is that our relationship with God is not an individual matter. You know, as a church, we're called to be the bride of Christ. And each one of us are here to fulfill a different role. And in order for us to fill different roles, we can't do that in isolation. We each do different things. So as God calls, God's got a plan and purpose for everyone in the room here tonight. And as he calls you into those plans and purposes, you can only do that in community. Another thing that community does is it stops us from navel-gazing, sort of looking in on ourselves, and helps us to focus our eyes on Jesus. Now, I had a weird build-up to this talk, and I'm still slightly recovering. I had um, not man flu, which is bad enough, but I had full-on flu. So <laughs> I, joints were aching. I was in an awful state. And I, um, I normally spend lots of time with people, but I was in, I suppose, in isolation um, whilst I got better in quarantine. Um, and 
Um, I try to be as disciplined as possible. I try to, you know, speak to myself and, and uh, keep my eyes sort of lifted up to, to God. But it was, it was hard. And essentially what I needed was Emily, my wife, to give me a sort of spiritual slap around the face and say, Ben, you know, lift your eyes to him. It's, it's him you should be focusing on. And, um, and it's that community, isn't it, that really helps us to focus in on him when often we want to just look at ourselves, which isn't healthy or helpful for anyone. Another reason community is so vital is it helps us to, um, to maintain good mental health. Many years ago, I um, worked for an organization who supported people who were long-term unemployed, and many of those people were on health-related benefits. And often, people started on health-related benefits because of something physical, so a back problem or a broken leg or something like that. But because for many people, work is their form of community, going out of work for an extended period of time meant they were socially isolated. And then being socially isolated, they ended up with um, sort of secondary mental health problems. And long after that physical health problem had healed up, it was a mental health problem which then stopped people from being able to go into work. And so uh, my job and our job as an organization was to try and create some form of community where people could come in and there'd be an advocate for them and they would be uh, looked after in some way and, and, uh, and get them back into work. And we, we saw some success with it, but it wasn't as powerful as it could have been because essentially God wasn't at the core of that. And... One of the most exciting things we're doing as a church at the moment, we're doing a number of them, but um, one of the great things we're doing is Grace Enterprises. So we've got Matt, who has set up a cleaning business, and it's an employer who's... Um, We're trying to create an environment where people are really well looked after and cared for from an employment perspective. He's getting loads of new contracts coming through. And And that's wonderful in itself, but it's alongside that good working environment alongside you lot, our community here is where there's huge power and where people's lives are changed and transformed on a long-term basis. So um, that's the power of community. Why else did God call us to live in community? Well, we are here to call greatness out of each other, aren't we? We're here to encourage each other and prophetically speak over each other. And I don't know if you've tried doing that in isolation, but you can't do it, can you? <laughs> it's just strange. <laughs> what else are we here to do? Well, and what else is uh, community here for? Well, community shows us what's important, and it keeps us on track. You know, I'd love to... I love to blame people wherever possible, if I'm honest. You know, it's nice, isn't it, to... to <laughs> To, to have someone else to blame when things go wrong. Um, but if I'm being totally frank, all of my worst mistakes have, been, have happened when I've been in isolation, when I haven't sought advice and counsel and support um, from, from other people. Our worst mistakes happen when we're on our own. And I'm not alone in that. Uh, if people remember our One Samuel series, and you know, just looking at Saul's life and David's life in that, their worst mistakes always happened when they were far away from God or when they were 
on their own and, um, and not in community. My final point on this is that um, God's plan for us to live in community is here so that it's a demonstration of God's generosity and glorious nature and wonder and it highlights to, to the world what a wonderful God he is. I mean, it's incredible what he's done with us as a church. It's incredible how he's put us together. Have a, have a look around. I mean, we're a, we're a fairly similar bunch in terms of ages. You know, I'm including myself in that, obviously. <laughs> um, but we come from all sorts of backgrounds and all, and all sorts of... Um, it wasn't that funny. Uh, we, we come from all sorts of backgrounds and um, all sorts of warts of life, and we have all sorts of interests, but God has knitted us together, and he has made us. The, this, this is his plan for, for the world. This is his plan for Nottingham, is for us to be light in the situation. So this is what we're here to do. And, um, and the world couldn't have done this, but he has. We'll have the band, I think. Godly community is utterly transformational. But it's the sort of community that only happens when he is at the center. We can only live like this when we've been transformed into his likeness. And our relationship with him then fuels our relationship with others. We can't do this any other way. The world can't do this. John 13, verse 34 says, Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That's what we're called to do. So as we spend time with our glorious, life-giving Father in heaven, as we fill our minds with what is good, as we work hard to love one another without agenda, we become the disciple-making community that God has called us to be. And that is what we are. So we're going to spend some time worshipping him in all of his gloriousness, and then we'll, uh, we'll see what he does with us over the next few minutes.